Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10 a.m. or 4 p.m. service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And some people are like, what the heck is that? And, and, I, and I need to tell you, the, the Christian calendar has three significant dates in it. Of course, Christmas. Jesus came. Of course, Easter. We just celebrated that a little while ago, where, where we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that through the death and resurrection at Easter, we can know salvation. But Pentecost Sunday is the third Sunday that we celebrate as an anniversary every year to mark the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. And I'm aware, as we've been leading this church for the last three years, that we actually have all different kinds of people who've joined our church in that time. If you're new to our church, uh, a lot of people have come to us from Baptist backgrounds, from Presbyterian backgrounds, from Catholic backgrounds. We've got people from all different types of, of Christian backgrounds. We've got people here today that, that are recently new to faith. And I want to take a minute, oh, actually a little while, and explain to you what it means to be Pentecostal and what it means for Pentecost Sunday and why it was so significant, and then how does it apply to our lives? And so you need to understand, I am a big believer that uh, this is the Word of God. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And I'm a big believer that everything that Scripture talks about is supposed to be relevant and realized in our lives. And, and so it's so important that we open the Word of God and we gain understanding and then we apply it and chase after it. That is so important. I don't want to just know conceptually about the love of God. I want to feel the love of God. I want to know His presence. I don't want to just know the concept of salvation. I want to know that I, my sins have been forgiven me. I don't want to just read in Scripture about Holy Spirit. And remain a little confused. I want to have a greater understanding. And so the Holy Spirit, his, his primary role is he is the revealer. He is the illuminator. And so I want to pray right now and invite him to come and illuminate our hearts and reveal to us his nature and what this is really all about. And then we're going to go on a little bit of a study journey. And then we're going to pray for people and, and really look to have a moment at the back end of the service, all right? Would you open your hearts? Holy Spirit, we say, come right now. We thank you, Lord, that you are the revealer. You are the illuminator. You revealed to us our need for Jesus. God, we ask you that as we open your word today, that you would reveal to us your heart to to see us filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would know the presence and the power of God on the move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I'm going to read a large chunk of Acts chapter 2. And I want to encourage you, we don't often do this. We often take sound bites and then I bring 
an expansion on what we read. But but today I want to work through the Bible because I actually believe that Pentecost was a real moment that was supposed to be a catalyst for the church, and it was a catalyst for the church, but it's actually now become a point of division within the church. And we've got to understand what Jesus and the apostles mean in Scripture, and then we need to adjust our lives and our doctrine and our theology accordingly. That, can we just go on that journey? And, and so we're going to start here in Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> it says... On the day of Pentecost, uh, sorry, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. And suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of rushing wind into the house from out of heavenly realm. And the roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. And they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Whoa. Okay. Now at the time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. And when the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialect. They all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? I'm reading this and I'm going, what is this phenomenon? But others poked fun at them and said, "Ah, they're just drunk on new wine. Peter, the apostle Peter, stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly what is understand, understand what is happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's an important note. Then he says, this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied throughout the prophet Joel, for God say, says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillar of cloud will appear. For the sun will be turned to dark and the moon blood red before that great and awesome appearance of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. You still with me? All right. We're going to keep reading and and some of this is going to make sense and I'm going to come back to it and pull it apart and some of it's not going to make sense and, and I'm going to come back to that and pull that apart as well. Peter continued, people of Israel, listen to the facts. 
Jesus, the victorious, was a man on divine mission whose authority was clearly proven for you know how God performed many miracles and signs and wonders through him. This man's deity was prearranged for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified and, would ex- and, and that you would execute him on the cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. God destroyed the cords of death and raised him up because it was impossible for death, death's power to hold him as a prisoner. This is the very thing that David prophesied about him. I continually see the Lord in front of me. He is at my right hand and I am never shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and my glory celebrates. My mouth is filled with his praises and I have hope in my body. Uh, I have hope that my body will live because you uh, will not leave my soul among the dead, nor will you allow your sacred one to experience decay. For you have revealed to me the path to life and seeing your face fills me with euphoria. Exciting. Jesus. My fellow Jews, Peter continues. I can tell you that there is no doubt that our noted patriarch, that is David, has both died and been buried in his tomb, which remains today. So you can see that he was not referring to himself with those words. But as a prophet, he knew God's faithful promise made with an unbreakable oath that one of his descendants would take the throne. So with peering into the future, David prophesied the Messiah's resurrection. And God revealed to him that the Messiah would not be abandoned to the realm of death, nor would his body experience decay. And we know Jesus' resurrection. Can't you see it? God has resurrected Jesus and we've all seen him. And then God extended him, exalted him to the right hand upon the throne of the highest honor. And Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out upon us here today, that in your, this is what you're seeing and hearing. I want to skip down to verse 37. It says, when they heard this, this is the response of the crowd. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? How do we respond? And Peter replied, repent and turn to God. Each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one to have your sins removed. Then you might take a hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For God promised of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, and for those who are yet to be born, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Peter preached to them and warned them of these words. Be rescued from the wayward and perverse generation or cultures of this world. We're going to, this, this is the best part. Then those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000, and they were all baptized and added to the church. How cool is that? What a wild passage. This is this is this would have been such a head spinner. 
Because they had not experienced anything like this. First, we have 120 men in the upper room who've experienced tongues of fire. I don't even know what that is. How do you describe that? There was such a mighty rushing wind that they, 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 they were kind of confused and, and a little bit dumbfounded. Then they go downstairs and they start telling everyone of the goodness of God in foreign languages that they don't even speak. After that, Peter gets up and he preaches, hey, Jesus, you know, the one that you murdered, he's the savior, he's the Messiah. And it says that the people's hearts were crushed. Oh my goodness, we did. What were we thinking? How could we have done that? And it says, what should we do? How should we respond? And Peter says, you need to repent you need to be baptized in, in, in water for the remission of your sins. We had a great baptism service last week. We baptized eight people saying, you know what? I want to get on with God. I want, to, I want to go for Jesus. And then he says, and then you will receive the gift of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Scripture then says that there were 3,000 people that day that said, yes, I need to be all in. I don't want to just know religion. I don't want to just have the theories and understand the doctrines. I want to experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so there's four keys that I want to unpack as we go forward to help us to understand this. And, and they're going to come out of this passage. And then we're going to move into a moment of prayer. The first one is you got to understand prophetic decree. Prophetic decree. In Acts chapter 2, the passage that we just read, we read that Peter quotes two prophets. First, he quotes the prophet Joel, saying, In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he quotes the prophet David. David was the king of Israel for a period of time, and he wrote the majority of the Psalms and David was an incredible man, but David prophesied of the coming Messiah. It's so important that we understand the role of the prophet in the Old Testament culture. Let me just explain that for a second. If you don't know, your Bible is broken into two chunks. The first chunk is called the Old Testament. 39 of the books in your Bible are part of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. This is all the stuff that happened before the coming of Jesus. But the second chunk of your Bible is called the New Testament. It starts with the book of Matthew, and it tells us about everything from Jesus onwards. This is so important that we understand our Bible is written in these two chunks and read it accordingly. Because every time I read in the Old Testament, they have not yet experienced Jesus and they have not yet experienced salvation. But everything that we read in the New Testament, we read through Christ who has come and died and resurrected so that we could be forgiven of sin. And so in the Old Testament, they would have prophets and prophets would be the word of the Lord to the people of God. Because of sin, and they had not been forgiven of sin, they were not holy, which meant that they were unable to go into God's holy presence. And so God would raise up men and women, 
known as prophets, who would be his mouthpiece to declare his word to his people. And so before this Acts moment, by the way, the book of Acts is directly after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all about Jesus. And then we have the book of Acts, which tells us about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is all New Testament. And Peter is talking to the Jews. The Jews are also known as the Hebrews or the Israelites. They're all the same people. If you ever read in your Bible and you're like, who are the Jews and the Hebrews and the Israelites? They're the same group. They have three names. Some people may not know that. And he's speaking to these Jews and he says to them, the prophets of old told us that this was going to happen. 900 years earlier, we have the prophet Joel. He's one of the books of the Bible. His book is Joel. And in Joel chapter 2, he literally prophesies, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And Peter is now calling on that prophecy saying, hey, this weird, crazy thing that has just happened is that moment. It is the fulfillment of that moment. It's so important that we understand that the Old Testament prophets were to speak of the future things to come. This is how we know that Jesus is the true Messiah. Do you know that there was actually as many as 30 or 40 people claiming to be the Messiah at the time of Jesus' coming. Jesus wasn't the first one to go, hey, everybody, I'm the Messiah. There were lots of other people claiming to be the Messiah. But the thing that validates Jesus different to all the other Messiahs is the fulfillment of the prophetic words about his life. The prophets were so key in validating Jesus. You know that there are almost, I think there are about 351 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. This is what makes Jesus so valid or legitimate is his life and the way that he lived and the way that he did what he did confirmed what the prophets of old said was gonna happen. In Genesis, Moses tells us that Jesus would be born of a virgin. What? Like 4,000 years before the coming of Jesus, you have Moses saying that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, that he would defeat Satan, that he would ascend into heaven, and that he would come through the lineage of Abraham. The prophet David tells us in Psalms that he would be killed and resurrected, that he would be the forgiver of sins, and that he would be of the lineage of David. The prophet Isaiah says that he would be sent of God, born of a virgin, that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Some people just decided to ah, treat it as an optional extra. It was never meant to be an optional extra. It was meant to be a key part of our life. And so Jesus came to, to tell us about the Holy Spirit that he was going to send to us. And then we see this happens, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And to help us to better understand this, we need to understand the difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Both are crucial. Both are critical, but they're different. As we discussed last week in our baptism service, we said 
that we need to be born again of the Spirit, which literally means the Holy Spirit comes and He dwells within me. Uh, this is what we said last week. We looked at John ver- chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is of flesh, and that which is born of spirit is of spirit. And so we are told that we are to be born again into the spirit. That means that I'm no longer living according to my fleshly desires, but I'm living according to the Holy Spirit that is within me. This also means that I am now a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 6.10, that our bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit lives. Literally, people say that God's in in churches and buildings. He's not. He's in people now. He's not in buildings, bricks and mortar. These are great tools. They help us facilitate. But there's nothing special about this place until we get here. Then it gets special. Because I am a carrier of the Holy Spirit. And so the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit does three things. Number one, He leads me in repentance. He shows me errors in my life that are of the flesh and helps me align them and live for Christ. Number two, he guides me into truth that I don't even know what's true. Have you ever felt like a little confused? I don't know if that's right or wrong or what's good or bad. Is that right? Well, the Holy Spirit comes into my life and he's dwelling in me. And he, instead of Jiminy Cricket, letting my conscience be my guide, I've got the Holy Spirit in me who's helping me to know the truth of God. And then number three, he bears fruit in my life. If I'm born of the Spirit, then the fruits of the Spirit are naturally flowing out of my life. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we see that, that they say that we're taught that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All the things that I want to be happening in my life are fruits of the Spirit of God in my life through being born again. But that is not spirit baptism. That's different. Holy Spirit baptism is something different. While we carry the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we're born again, Jesus tells us, that there is a secondary event that is supposed to happen where we actually get turned on and come alive in the Holy Spirit for power and miracles and signs and wonders. And I want to work through this because this is where people have gotten a little confused over the, over the years. In Acts chapter 1, before Acts chapter 2 is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? The, verse, the chapter before that is Acts chapter 1 because 1 goes before 2. Some of you didn't know that either. (laughs) Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus talking to the disciples. He's talking to 500 of his followers. He says, and being assembled with them together, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from, from me. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then skip down to verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. First thing we got to clarify is who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to his disciples. Matthew, James, John, Peter, Barnabas, Timothy. I don't know them all. I've had, but he's talking to all of them. Plus another. Five hundred and eighty-nine. So he's talking to the eleven. Judas killed himself. That's a bit dark. Plus four hundred and eighty-nine others. They're already Christians, right? They're already born again. Jesus is resurrected. He's forgiven their sins. They're totally in. And he says, wait, don't leave Jerusalem just yet. Because in a couple of days time, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'd be like, what is this? To us, that's like confusing. But to the Jews, they understand salvation in the Messiah. Oh, and Joel told us that there was going to be an outpour. Oh, rightio. And so in Acts chapter 2, we see that on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, the disciples were all gathered in one place and they heard the sound of a violent blast of rushing wind that came into the house from every realm and the roar of heaven was so overpowering that they could barely handle it. And then at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one and they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. You have to understand, were they saved? Yes. Did they have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in their life? Yes. But they hadn't yet had spirit baptism because Jesus tells them, wait, don't go anywhere. Not many days from now, I'm going to... Well, it wasn't just them. Let's look at how it happened for the Samaritans. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14, it says, When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God, they sent Peter, James, and John to them. And when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for that he had not yet fallen upon any of them. And then they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So the Samaritans... They believe Jesus. They believe salvation. They believe the word of God. They were born again. How great. But they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so whilst they were born again and they had the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the activation of power and signs and wonders. This is also what happened to the Ephesians. Let me read this to you. In Acts 19, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. The Ephesians are from a town called Ephesus. And finding some of the disciples. Who are they? Disciples Disciples are followers of Jesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Are they Christians? Yes. They're disciples. 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not even as heard of the Holy Spirit. And so he said, into what baptism? Uh, uh, sorry, then he said to them, in, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him would come after, that is on Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid hands on them, second thing, this, not the same thing, second thing, he laid, he laid hands on them and the Spirit, Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now there was about 12 men and all. It's really important to understand that these are two things. This is why Peter's prophesying, you know, the, the prophecy of, of David for salvation and, and Jesus, the Messiah, and he's prophesying Joel, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Two things. So here's three things that the Holy Spirit baptism does. Number one, he gives me Holy Spirit power for working miracles. Jesus teaches us in Mark 16, he who believes in baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Oh, okay. Jesus is prophesying what's going to happen when the Spirit is poured out. There's going to be signs on the believer. I'm going to have authority over the demonic realm. I'm going to have authority to bind and loose the supernatural principalities that are wreaking havoc in my life. I'm going to have authority to, to speak in new tongues. I'm going to have authority to heal the sick. I'm going to have authority over any poison or any type of thing that would try to harm me. There is going to be dunamis power, yeah. Holy Spirit power that follows my life. The second thing that happens is that there will be power to preach and testify. I remember when I first became a Christian, I loved Jesus. He had changed my life, but I was terrified of telling anybody else that I was a Christian because I just didn't want to get ridiculed. And I didn't know what to say and I didn't have all my doctrine and my theology right and I couldn't prove that Jesus was who he says he was, even though I had had an experience that changed everything for me. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, and you will receive power when the spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I knew that my life needed to be spent on mission, telling people about the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ, that he's not against you, he's for you, and that he's forgiven you of your sins. Well, that didn't happen for me until I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I was timid. I was quite happy to hide my light under the bushel. But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I couldn't help but become a preacher or a testifier to the good things that Jesus had done in my life. In Mark 16, 20, this is the next verse after he says, and you'll, you'll, 
raise the, the, you'll heal the sick and you'll cast out demons and you'll speak in new tongues. And this is what he said. And they went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord was working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. That when I preached the goodness of Jesus, that there would be power, healing. God would move mightily through you to see souls saved. Here's a, here's a third thing that happens. You speak in tongues. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, you speak in tongues. It says in Acts chapter 2, they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and inspired to speak in tongues. I'll never forget when I first spoke in tongues. I was at a Rick Joyner conference and I was just caught up in worship and nobody was laying hands. There was no preachers. There was no pastors touching anybody. There was nothing of that happening. And I was just, I was just singing and I was crying out to the Lord. And then out of nowhere, hurro, and I remember thinking to my, what the heck is going on right now? Because I hadn't done Bible college. I had never heard a sermon on this before. I was just in a worship meeting. Nobody else around me was doing that. I, was, I started to whisper. I was like, Ooh, rasa, da, 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 da. So I was like, I didn't want people to look at me weird. It literally came out of nowhere on my life. And it was as the Spirit of God gave me utterance that I began to speak in tongues. Well, now that I know the Bible, the Bible talks so much about tongues. Jesus tells us that we're going to talk in tongues. If Jesus says talk in tongues, you should desire to talk in tongues. Just so you know, we don't have enough time to go into all this. We're, we're actually running out of time. But, but these three things, the first one, Holy Spirit gives me power. On, on Saturday, the 5th of June, Pastor Kevin Forlong is going to be running a free seminar. It's called Activating Miracles. You would have just gotten an email about it this week. I'm not going to go into that today. I'm here to talk to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. But we need to know how to flow in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to move in miracles and signs and wonders. And so it's a free seminar. I don't want to charge any money for it. You shouldn't have to be, pay to figure out how to turn on the Holy Spirit power inside of you. But can I tell you this? If you don't come, oh, I'm almost not your friend anymore. Because the Holy Spirit is inside me. But I need, to turn how to, I need to learn how to activate that and turn that on. And so Pastor Kevin, he incredible preacher, very anointed, seen so many miracles happen through his ministry over the years. He's going to be running from nine until one. We're going to be running a free Holy Spirit activation seminar. Go onto your emails, register, get plugged in. This is key. We have so many Christians that know Jesus, but don't move in Jesus's power. Further, preaching, the Holy Spirit comes upon me, anoints me to be a witness, preaching Jesus. I'm going to be talking about that on Sunday, the 13th of June. The whole service is devoted to what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon me and the boldness to share my faith. Next week, I'm going to be talking about tongues because this is another issue that has confused so many people. There's actually not one type of speaking in tongues. There are three types of speaking in tongues. 
We need to understand how they operate and how the Bible is not contradictory on this topic, but complementary on this topic so that we know what God's heart is around speaking in tongues. Here's the third big thing, and that's salvation. You notice that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit wasn't just a feel-good meeting. I know a lot of Christians who've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they fall down on the ground and I have fallen down on the ground quite a few times. It's powerful when God touches your life. But we, we almost think that that is the goal. The goal is that God would lift me up and instead of being paralyzed on the ground, that I would be mobilized. And we see here that these 120 in the upper room, they were mobilized to go out into the streets and bring salvation to everyone. This is why we don't just have the prophet Joel. We have the prophet David. The prophet Joel was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The prophet David was the Messiah, salvation, repentance of sins. They go together. Holy Spirit came that God would empower us to bring salvation to those who don't yet know Jesus. Well, you may not realize it, but the Holy Spirit was actually already working in you before you said yes to Jesus. Revelation tells us that God is standing at the door of our heart knocking, waiting for us to open the door and invite him into our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't normally go to church but you found yourself in church today. Can I tell you this? I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in happenstance. I believe in divine appointments. And if you're here this morning, I actually believe that God might've brought you here this morning so that he could tell you that he's not angry with you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not disappointed you. He's calling you home. That you would come to a place where you would put your faith in Jesus. And this is so critical. I'll never forget what happened in my life. I, I had just come out of the nightclubs and, and, and just living such a loose life. And I knew that I needed to do something. And I went to church and somebody was talking about Jesus. And, and I knew in that meeting that I had, to, I had to invite Jesus to come into my life. I remember being scared. I remember thinking, I don't know about, I don't know all this stuff. I don't know all the, but I know that I'm not right with God. I know that I am a sinner. I know that my sin is blocking me from knowing God like I'm supposed to. And so in that moment, I made a decision that I was going to pray. And I remember getting down on one knee and I remember saying, Jesus, I don't know the Bible. I don't know how it all works. I don't even know if I want to go to church, but Jesus, I do believe that I am a sinner and I do believe that my sin is blocking me from you and I believe that I need to ask you to forgive me. It was the most powerful, liberating thing that I've ever done. I got on my knee to ask Paula to marry me. The salvation moment was 10 times better. But there was a bowing of my pride. I don't know about you, but My pride is pretty strong. No, I know what's right. I'm going to do what I want to do. I tend to live like that. 
until I met Jesus. And then I said, Jesus, I don't want to keep living my own way. I don't want to keep doing my own thing. I want, to, I want your life. I want the better life that you have for me. I'm aware that there might be people here this morning. And you would say, you know, James, I, I don't know what it means to be forgiven. I don't know what it means to know God without a blockage. Maybe you've heard about God. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've never heard about God. Maybe this is your first time. Can I tell you this? God wants to show you a whole new life. He wants you to be born again. But you got to be born again of the Spirit. And the way that we do that is we stop and we acknowledge Him and we invite Him into our lives. I want to provide that opportunity right here. Maybe you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. The reason that we bow our heads is because it's important for us to get honest with ourselves. Take a look in your own heart. Has Jesus come into your life? Has he forgiven you of your sin? Has he dealt with the blockage that's separating you from God? If he hasn't, I'd like to provide you that opportunity right here and right now. And the way that we do that is we pray. We reach out to God in prayer. It's so important that we reach out in prayer because it's, it's a verbalization. It's an acknowledgement some people say, well, I just, you know, God, God knows my thoughts. Yeah, that's, that's true. He does know your thoughts, but it's important when we put our words to our heart. You know, I think about how much I love my wife a lot, but it's not until I open my mouth and communicate that to her. And in the same way right now, I want to encourage, some people need to pray right now and open their mouth and communicate to God. And, and, and I'm aware that there would be people here and you don't know how to pray, and that's okay. I want to lead you in a prayer. And so if you're, if you're here this morning, right now, and you know, James, I need to pray. I need to do business with God. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sin. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Would you give me a little wave just so I know who needs to pray this morning? I see your hand over here. That's awesome. One hand just saying, James, I see another one over here. Two people saying, James... I need to pray. I need to do business with Jesus. I'm not going to bring you out of your chair. You can pray right where you're at. I don't want to embarrass you, but this is an important moment. Who else needs to pray and invite Jesus into their life? Is there one more person? Is there one more person? Okay. Would you pray with me? We're going to pray together. I'm going to say a little bit of this prayer, and then I want to invite you to repeat it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You proved it when you went to the cross and died for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Heal me. Take away my shame and my pain and help me to live you, live for you all my days. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a fourth part of this passage in Acts. And it's the part when they say, we need to do something. We need to respond. We can't just sit on the outside and be spectators. I called a couple of months ago. We had a real move of the Holy Spirit in service. And I was speaking in tongues and people were getting touched and people were just feeling the presence and the power of God. People were crying. And, and I made a phone call that week, as I always do. I always ring visitors who've come to our church. And I rang this lady and I, I said, hey, this is Pastor James. How did you enjoy the service? And she goes, it was weird. 
And I said, okay. She goes, we're not from a Pentecostal background. We're from a Baptist background. And I said, oh, this would have been unusual. She said, yeah, my son said to me, mom, is this good? Is this okay? Is this right? And she said, it was an incredible moment for me because I got to sit down with my son and I got to say, honey, everything that's happening here is totally biblical. We've just never experienced anything like this before. And I said, well, that's very mature of you. I said, so what happened for you? She goes, nothing. We packed the car and left. And I remember thinking to myself, the Holy Spirit's not supposed to be a doctrine. He's not supposed to be a theology. He's not supposed to be a character in a storybook. He's a person that I'm supposed to experience. He's a person. He's, he's a person of God that I'm supposed to encounter, that I would not just go through life knowing about the Holy Spirit, but that I would know Him in every area of my life, that I would experience His wonder-working power. And so I want to open up and pray for people. Church, it's 11.30. If you need to go to lunch, okay, you can be like that lady. Now, you know, you can, you can know all the truth and then leave. Or we can just say, you know what? We've heard it. We know the word. We know the truth. But now I need to engage. Now I need to engage my spirit. I don't want to just know about God. I want to know God. I don't want to just know about salvation. I need to know forgiveness in my life. I don't want to just know about the theory of baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to know that in my life. And I'm going to believe with you that, that God would give you the gift of speaking in tongues and that you would know the outpouring of His presence. Our Pentecost message is not, it's not a one Sunday thing. This is a series. We're going to do this over the next four Sundays. So, so we're building faith and we're, we're unpacking what I talked about today. There's a lot more that, that, that we need to know, but, but that's not for today. Today, we need to now move into a moment of response. And so this is what I want to do. Um, Hayden and Leo, can we pack away these first two rows of chairs? And can you guys just quickly just grab your stuff and, and we'll move it all to the edges, please. We just, with this many people in the room, we need to have all the chairs out, but it does make the opportunity to pray for people logistically a challenge. For everybody else, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And, and, and here's, what, here's, here's what we need to know. The Holy Spirit is waiting for us to ask Him and invite Him in. Jesus says, God will give us the Holy Spirit if we ask, if we seek, and if we knock. And I believe that that means that there has got to be a response. There's got to be an action point of, God, I don't want to just, I don't want to just sit here comfortable. I, I, I want to engage. In, in, in the Old Testament, they would have this space that was called the altar. And the altar is where they would take the animals and they would offer them as sacrifices unto God. Well, now through Jesus, we create space in a, in a service or in a church meeting called an altar. Don't worry. I don't think we have any real fire. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come upon us and baptize us with fire. 
What does that mean that he would come and consume me as the offering? I am now the offering. My life, it, that, that we wouldn't die for Jesus, that we would live for Jesus. That, that dying is easy. Living for God is much harder. And so God says, Let, let's, let's open our hearts and let's respond. And I'm aware that there would be people here this morning and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's no worries. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're saved. You've got the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But Jesus promises that there's more. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I just, I, I, I like more. More is good. More is good. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we want to make space right over here. And I'm, I want to ask Pastor Kevin and Daryl to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and, and you used to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or, or you, you, it's kind of gone dormant in your life. Maybe you used to speak in tongues. Maybe you used to engage in the Holy Spirit. But you're, you're kind of not there yet. Well, you, I'm going to pray for a fresh activation, a fresh filling, a fresh awakening of the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want to pray for those people in the middle here. And, and then this, this, is a, this is a unique group of people. Actually, Paula and Dan and Joe, we'll pray for those guys in the middle. But I want to pray for people who you have gone for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it never happened. You're the hard nut, the hard nut to crack. That, that so I don't know about, but I've seen this heaps of times where you, you, you go forward in faith, but it doesn't happen. And I want to continue to believe with you that God would, would move and unlock that thing in your life. But let me tell you this, God doesn't respond to right theology. God responds to faith. And so you can know it all, but until you say, God, I want that, I open my heart, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, touch me. Holy Spirit, consume me. Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to just dip my toe in. I want a full baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. I want that. Come on, even as the team begin to lead us in worship right now, if that's you and you know that you need to respond, you need to get out of your seat, you need to engage, you need to open your heart. If that's you, would you come now? Don't, don't just linger back. I believe that everybody needs a fresh encounter. I believe that everybody needs a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized, if you need to get fresh touch, some people are sitting there going, oh, what, what, are, what are people going to think? Here's the deal. We're not worried about you. Be worried about yourself. Don't worry. We're not worried about your neighbor. What, what does God want to do in your life? Maybe you're believing for miracles. Come and get a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit right here and right now. Come on, let's move. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.